Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. We are so excited to have Corey Collins back with us. We uh, just, uh, I guess a couple months ago it was, we were on Zoom and talking with him about his his life and his story and how he ended up, uh, I believe it was in Kentucky. And we are just ecstatic to hear a little bit more about his life. So Corey, I'll let you uh, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, Chris and Dan and Dylan. I've been so excited to talk with you again. I appreciate the good work that you're doing with the Bible Conversations podcast. Yes, we had been in the Philadelphia area for seven years, and uh, our son and our daughter were both born there. And uh, and then as they got a few years old, we thought, you know, we might, uh, after 13 years total in New York and Philadelphia, we might head south. School situation, raising children, you know, I always commend those that stayed in the Northeast, and part of my heart is still there. Kind of wish we had stayed it, stuck it through, you know. But at any rate, a congregation in Tompkinsville, Kentucky, it's about two hours north of my hometown, Nashville, Tennessee, they had an opening. This was a very, very small town, like 3,500 people. Oh, wow. <laughs> and a church of about 200. And we talked with them and visited. They invited me to be their preacher. And so that was one of the happiest chapters of our lives. Some of the most precious people friendly, open, down to earth. And in that small town, everybody knew everyone's business. Yeah. So we always had a joke that if you opened your trunk on your car, then by the next day, everybody in Tompkinsville knew what was in your trunk. I mean, <laughs> it was very interactive. And Tanya did some teaching in a couple of the school opportunities. Our children were thriving. And so we were there uh, for four years. And then uh, in 1990, uh, a great congregation in Nashville opened up the Bellevue Church of Christ, and I had the opportunity to go there and serve for a while as an involvement minister. Okay. Initially, uh, another brother uh, who started at the same time I did, did most of the preaching. I preached one Sunday a month, but I worked with people mm-hmm. that I love to do, so I yeah started something called the Barnabas Team, and we got people involved in encouraging and strengthening and getting to know each other. Thoroughly enjoyed that work, and then I was asked to be the regular preacher there. And so we stayed uh, a number of years and enjoyed that so very much because we were near grandparents. Mm. My mom and dad and also uh, Tanya's mother were all there in Nashville. So I, I want to back up a little sure. bit here, Corey. Uh, you, you mentioned Tom, Tom, Tompkinsville, Tompkinsville uh, yes. Kentucky. So were you the pulpit minister? I was uh, the pulpit while minister there. there yes. oh, okay, very good. And so uh, you went from this little town uh, being the preacher to to working with people in, yes. in Nashville. Um, what is from your experience the the differences in in the church? I mean, I know we understand the, the big city. Um, to con- little country towns, but does the church change as you go from big cities to, to little country towns, you know, from New York, Philadelphia to Tompkinsville, then back to Nashville again? Well, what was that like working with the church in each of those places? Well, you know, in Tompkinsville, everything is close by. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the people are, or many of them know each other and many of them are related. Yeah. And so in a church of that size, about 200 people, you can know everybody. Mm-hmm. You can regularly visit everybody. 
and you have a lot of opportunities. A number were baptized while we were in Tompkinsville because of the network of friends and relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, But on the other hand, if you needed something in a major city, you either had to go north to Louisville, Kentucky, or south to Nashville. You mean you couldn't uh, just get on the Internet and get Amazon? No, exactly. Uh, Tompkinsville kind of, like many small towns, off the beaten path. Yeah. But that's what makes it special. Yeah. There was a sense of community. We loved the public school there, mm-hmm. and Tanya taught in the public school, as I mentioned. And uh, but you go to a larger city, like you know, in Tompkinsville. Whenever you're out, mm-hmm. you see people you know. Yeah. Well, you go back to Nashville, and it's not like that at all. Yeah. And in Nashville, you're not going to know the mayor. Yeah. Or the city council members, or the local infrastructure. And you're more of a, a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, making your way, making connections, many more congregations in Nashville, but also a different kind of philosophy in some of them. And so uh, you've got a couple of private Christian schools in Nashville you didn't mm-hmm. have. And so you've got more elders a larger staff mm-hmm. in Tompkinsville. I had a, one of our elders' wives was our secretary. Basically, did the bulletin, but wasn't regular in the office. But when I got to Bellevue, I had a, a couple of co-workers, ministers like you guys, a couple of full-time secretaries, and so I was uh, able to do some things that uh, I could focus on, and wasn't uh, quite as spread out to doing a lot of different things as I was in a smaller. Setting, yeah. as some of you guys know. Yeah, you, you, it's like you were able to work with a team there. Work in with Bellevue. a team, that's right. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we have here at Keller. Um, <clears throat> this team ministry where, you know, we're, you know, all intertwined together, working towards a common goal, but but we're working with each other and, and doing projects with each other. And actually, that's, that's a podcast topic that I want to do sometime, you know, <laughs> uh, talking about how team ministry works and, yeah. and that we're not each on our own. Um, but anyways. I, yeah, and you know, I love this team right here. You three guys are so good to work with and the love we have for each other and the respect and the support, that's very special for me. So this, uh, this is a great time uh, in my life getting to work with you guys. I just am so grateful for each one of you. So when you work by yourself uh, in a small setting, and basically you're sort of the everything guy, you know, whatever comes up, (laughs) and then you get to have great brothers to work with, and, you know, uh, ladies handling a lot of things in the office, it's just really, really tremendous. Mm -hmm. So um, in Nashville, I had the opportunity to work in involvement and do some preaching and teaching, and then to go into the regular pulpit role. Well, after we had been there uh, six years, a friend of mine I'd gone to college with was down in Florence, Alabama, and he was teaching school at Heritage Christian University and also active in a congregation there that needed a preacher. He said, Corey, would you consider coming to work with us in Florence? Well, uh, you know, over time, kind of visiting with them and talking, we did. And so we uh, were in Alabama for 12 years. 
and that's how we came to kind of adopt it as our home. And you had to choose either the Alabama Crimson Tide or the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> yeah, that was the big rivalry for the Iron Bowl, so we went which, with Alabama. Which one do you support? <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> for the, for our listeners who don't know Corey, I think he would he would be dismayed to to ever. Consider rooting for Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Christopher started ninth grade and Carissa started seventh grade in Florence. Well, um, situation developed where um, I needed to make a change in the congregation I was working with. Precious and wonderful people, but uh, anyway, it was just a congenial uh uh, situation, but uh, I was actually uh, out of pulpit work for a little while and didn't know exactly what was coming next. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in a transition where uh, I felt I had to leave where I was and I really didn't have the next uh, uh, thing set up. You know, and yeah. that's not, uh, not something you want to do. I don't advise that. But um, at any rate, my good friends at Heritage Christian University, they said, Corey, would you come and teach with us? Mm-hmm. And because I had uh, achieved my master's degree in Philadelphia, I never knew that at the time, how that would lead to an open door to teach in a Christian university. Yeah, I had done some fill-in teaching at HCU. I filled in for the Greek teacher and a couple of other things. They would have me over to do like a minister interview sort of thing. But uh, so at any rate, I went full time with Heritage Christian and then another great congregation in Florence asked me to share their preaching role Mm. with my good friends. I have a very, very good, I have a lot of good friends in Florence, but (laughs) this particular brother was my uh, academic vice president. So he was sort of my boss at the university and he was also my fellow preacher Mm. in the congregation there. So that was just a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And allowed me to keep studying, keep teaching, keep working with people until uh, um, 2011 when uh, our son had moved to the Dallas area. Our daughter was about to finish her master's degree in school. And so then I had an opportunity to learn about the Keller congregation. Mm-hmm. So I could talk about Keller all day long, <laughs> but let me stop and see if there's anything else uh, you want to pursue Dan, do you have any questions? I was just thinking about how, you know, probably some of your experiences seems to uh, probably have carried on, you know, even as you get to color. You know, you said um, when you were in Belleville, there in Nashville, um, you had worked as the involvement minister and you started up like the Barnabas team. And I wonder, is that at all similar to like the encouragement teams we do here at Keller? Is there some inspiration there? (laughs) Very similar. You know, uh, you guys know me well. You know that I have two priorities, the Bible and people. Mm -hmm. And when I'm with people, I think, boy, I really need to get studying and preparing. I want to be the best preacher. And when I'm preparing and studying, I think, boy, there's some people I want to call. (laughs) (laughs) So these are two things. And I think as long as I am kind of pull but in both directions it's probably a good thing yes i don't want to be so academic that i miss the one-to-one because that's what it's all about yeah and i don't want to you know invest all my time in socializing and even other personal interaction and miss i want to be the best i can be in the pulpit yeah. mm-hmm. and the best i preach so so yes i've had that all of my life 
I was raised with a strong sense of interest in people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Barnabas uh, team and now the encouragement groups. And then we had this Wednesday night class studying the book, The Barnabas Factor. Mm-hmm. I think everybody needs encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a, a really good class that you're mentioning there, Corey. Um, uh, over the summer, you know, we're, we've been online for Bible classes and, and Corey's been teaching the Barnabas factor. Um, and it's just been, it was a really strong class, really encouraging. And that's, I think, talks to your strength. That's, that's kind of merging, you know, your, your two favorite things, studying yes. the word, but also using it to encourage people. So. Yes. It was, it was delightful because we had that good book written by Aubrey Johnson, mm-hmm. the Barnabas factor, and we did it on zoom and had what I call Hollywood squares. Uh, <laughs> like, like the Brady Bunch. That's right. But I want to say, too, you know, preachers move at various times for different reasons. And sometimes we don't understand why a preacher makes a change or why a church makes a change. So I could sort of tell you, you know, some people might think I've, I've moved pretty often, you know, mm-hmm. five or six years um, I'm now in my ninth year here. This is the longest I've ever worked with uh, the same congregation, and mm-hmm. I love it and don't want any change. Uh, but sometimes I have moved because of family concerns. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, when I left the Bellevue Church in Nashville, it was a hard decision to go to Alabama. But I told them, I said, I'm not really leaving because I'm dissatisfied with the preaching role. At any way, I said, but I'm a husband and I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to make a change that would be healthy for our family. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes from a distance, it may appear that, you know, why did... Because some preachers will stay with the same church 20, 30, even 45, close to 50 years. And that is yeah. so commendable. There's so much to be said for that. Uh, but it's interesting to realize that people with their circumstances and their background and their desire to serve the kingdom, sometimes you move because you think there's a you can have a greater impact. When mm-hmm. I left the small town in Tompkinsville, went to Nashville, I thought I can have a broader reach. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, things go into your mind. You're not just a preacher. You are a man. You're a husband. You're a father. You're a son and a friend. So, yeah. And as you're talking about that, it kind of makes me think of First um, Corinthians three. Um, I think you know the the scripture I'm going to reference here. First uh, Corinthians three, um, starting in verse five for our listeners, if y'all want to follow along. Um, Paul is writing. He says, "What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each." Verse six. It says, "I planted." Paulus watered, but God gave the growth. And, and as you're talking about these different congregations that you've moved to, um, you know, from, from up north to Kentucky to Nashville to Alabama, now over to Texas, each place you're, you're planting seeds and, but you're also watering seeds from men who have been there before. Yes. Um, I just, that's in action what we read, 1 Corinthians 3 6. Um, your life pretty much. Um, it's, it's just very cool to, to be able to, to look back and see that and, and see how there's been so many seeds planted, so many seeds watered and seeing how really in the end it's God who's giving the increase. 
Well, also in First Corinthians nine, you know, Paul talks about how don't I doesn't don't I have the right to take a wife or a vacation or yeah. you know, <laughs> basically yeah. what he's saying, you know, there's just personal choices in a preacher's life. That yes, sometimes they're just based on your personal needs. Yes, you know, and I don't know how much more they go beyond that. But yes, um, I was curious too when you were in Florence, um, were you actually because. Because it sounded like you were still in the same vicinity, even when you left that work, um, that pulpit work, right? Yes, yes. Um, were you really having to uproot and move much? or No, in the Florence area where we were for 12 years, uh, we, I mean, we kept our house. Yeah. Florence yeah. is a city, uh, actually it's a, uh, there are four quad cities there together. There are about 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of congregations in Florence, Alabama. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I think I've heard that um, per capita, per capita uh, yes. that Florence has the most churches of Christ anywhere in the world. Um, like they're just packed in there all in yes, that city. Yes, and there's a good sense of unity. Mm-hmm. There was a brother uh, back during the days of the Civil War named T.B. Laramore, and he was a great... Uh, church planter, mm. and that's how the Mars Hill Bible School got started. Was through his desire to train boys to preach, mm-hmm. and then when Mars Hill became more of a K through twelve Christian school, not specifically preacher training, others came in and said, "We need to start a, a university, a college." They started International Bible College, which became Heritage Christian University. Yeah. So strong emphasis on teaching and. Uh, strong Christian uh, roots there. So no, we didn't have to uproot. Yeah. And I want to say, I, I have always been treated well by the church. Yeah. I'm sure there are men, I know there are men that can't say that, but every eldership I've worked with, every congregation where I have served, I have loved and I have lasting ties with every every one of them. So, Corey, I, I do have a question. You know, you, you just mentioned that you've been treated really well by the church throughout, and that's that's awesome. You know, I, I, I've, like you said, you know, you know people that, that can't say that, and I think part of that's just, it's not the church, it's people. You know, people are uh, the greatest thing that, that God has ever invented, and sometimes sometimes we're just the worst. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, but I do have a question for you about mm-hmm. um, really the ministry in general. What What are... What's the biggest challenge that you've had in ministry that you've had to overcome throughout all of your moves and all of your changes in life? One of the uh, things that I've dealt with, Chris, it's a great question, is I will see something that I think the church needs to do. I'm not necessarily the most visionary person to see, (laughs) oh, this great dream out there. Uh, I'm a task-oriented person person that sees a goal, sees an objective, and I think this is what we could do to get there. And sometimes when you work with many people, there are things that you can't make happen, even when you think they need to happen. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, I love elders. You work with elders, you work with deacons, co-workers, and members. But you may see something, and you may really promote it and try to cast a vision and it, it may not happen unless other people really think it's the thing to do and get on board. And together with that, you're working with volunteers in the church. It's not a company, corporation. We always have to remember that. 
you can't give people things that they must do because they, they're, they're compensated in some way. You're working with people as to where their level is. And so to help find where they are and help them grow just a little bit, uh, I, I like to think of the church as concentric circles. That is circles that all have the same center, mm-hmm. but you have a very small circle where, and then a larger circle, larger circle. And people have different levels of commitment and activity and involvement. Mm-hmm. And so you may find it frustrating that someone who's on the outer edge, you just work with them and work with them and try to get them to come in closer to the fire, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I've learned that people have their responsibility too. And you can, like you said, uh, Dylan, it's a great passage in 1 Corinthians 3. You can plant and you can water. But the seed is the Word of God, mm-hmm. Luke 8, and the soil that's the hearts of the people. Mm-hmm. And you plant and plant and plant. And maybe you want to see it really grow. And you just want to see it take off. But it's not all in your hands. You carry the seed and the water pot. <laughs> and you try to think, how can I plant and water more effectively? But then you trust God. Mm-hmm. And you recognize people and the decisions that they make. You know, as you were talking about 1 Corinthians 3, I thought of John chapter 4. I'm going to be preaching on this passage Sunday after Jesus met with the Samaritan woman. His disciples came and asked him if he had anything to eat. And he said, I have food that you don't know of, and that is to do the will of God. Yeah. And then he talked about this matter of uh, planting and sowing and reaping and harvesting when, uh, he, when he said, this is verse 35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they're white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Hmm. So sometimes as a preacher, you're thinking, what's the best field? You know, how can I accomplish the most good? And the older I get, the more I realize time is short on this earth. You guys, you know, you think you maybe we think we have a long time and and we really we really don't. So to try to. And then I think one of you mentioned that we're all building on the work of others. I think Mm -hmm. somebody said that someone said the only reason I can see farther than others is that I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And I have had giants in my life. I've had particularly a handful of people that I I think that everything I do is God's grace uh, largely working through some significant people and in my life. The amazing thing is as you talk about you being able to stand on the shoulders of giants you know, Corey, you're that giant in our lives. Oh, you're very kind. We're we're blessed to be able to to stand on your shoulders, you're if you very will. Kind. N- not literally. I, I wouldn't want to actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're the one that has given us this support and encouragement. As we're all young in our ministry, me especially. Um, and you know, I, I know I could probably speak for Chris and Dan, and in saying that that I hope I can be that for for some kids some someday you know 100 percent. so i i think that kind of ties us back into keller you know we're we're all here working together we're all here learning from each other and 
you know, I think the uh, me specifically, I've learned more, Corey, from you about ministry than uh, just about anybody else in my life. Thank and, you. Um, Thank you both. You know, it's it's just, uh, I mean, it really is a blessing, like Dylan's saying, to, to be here. And so I, I kind of want you to talk about Keller for just a little bit and, and how how Keller has impacted you and how you feel you've impacted Keller. Good. And, and let me say, too, the, the fact that you guys feel that way means the world to me. This is something that really keeps me going. I feel like uh, however many years I have left, uh, to get to work with you all and the camaraderie we have and the fact that you, you realize I do have a few years. I've been down the road a little bit farther. <laughs> but you bring me energy. And you, your fire and your zeal just really help to keep me going, and I can't say that enough. I just appreciate you more than I can more than I can tell you. Well, yeah. And before you even do step into the Keller, I just want to encourage other preachers that might happen to listen to our podcast to, you know, if you can find a blessing like this, this is actually something I sought out. You know, because I didn't have that opportunity early on in the ministry, or maybe I did, but I didn't seek it out like I should have to be with an older minister who you can kind of look to and watch their steps. It, it makes a big, big difference. Cause you know, <laughs> if you go out there, you know, uh, you just, a lot of times you don't know what you're doing or, you know, you're just having to feel things out and it's a, it's a much rockier, more difficult path. So, uh, but I, I think you probably know that too. Like you said, standing yes. on giants, um, you know, you, you probably also had that opportunity to see, other um, mature ministers uh, in the work and kind of like see how they do things and yes. learn, learn from their experiences and wisdom. For example, <clears throat> the person that preceded me before I preached at Bellevue, the, the one that was there the longest, he was the preacher there for 26 years. Wow. And he was one of my college teachers. Oh, wow. And I had the greatest respect for him. Well, when he stepped aside from that role and I came and he and his wife were still in town. He was just the best. He and his wife, the best friend. I went to Israel with them in 96. And so sometimes all of us have older people, you know, and all of us have younger people that you guys, there are younger people looking up to you. And they're guys I saying, I want to be like Dan or Chris or Dylan one of these days. So uh, don't underestimate mm -hmm. that. Well, I was 56 years old when I first learned about Keller. And I was grateful then, I'm grateful now, that they didn't think I was uh, too old <laughs> to come. Because I love, I love to hear you guys preach. I love preachers of every age. And I'm so thankful that, that all four of us get to share some of the preaching here. It's really good for me to hear. It's good for all of us. And I think uh, the Keller elders realized, you know, that maybe someone my age or whatever, uh, personality and background or whatever, but... Uh, we came and visited here in September of 2011, went back to Alabama, started praying. Uh, we were ready to make a move, and the church here was ready. The church here had been through some transition. And so uh, we started uh, January 1st of 2012. Hmm. So we'll finish our, we'll start our 10th year, Lord willing, this coming January 1st. <laughs> All right. So I've had a good relationship with our elders here from the beginning. We've had, like any church does, some turnover, uh, really at every level, uh, deacons, elders, staff. Mm -hmm. And you guys know, the longer you work with a church, the longer 
the more it becomes apparent that you're the the old guy that's been around a while. (laughs) (laughs) And you may change personnel in the office. You may change the ministry team, a lot of things. But it has been a wonderful experience for me because I try to look for the strengths and blessings and positives in every person. Mm -hmm. And there are so many positives here, really with everyone I've had the chance to work with. I I have enjoyed everyone. But um, you learn kind of to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. And there may be gaps that others can help you fill in. None of us can carry the load by ourselves. And there may be gaps that you can fill in. Like the time is going to come when there will be, uh, you know, someone else will be doing what I do. Mm -hmm. And well, don't say that, Corey. Well, you'll be you'll be seeing opportunities. Thank you, and you openings where you say this is something that really needs to be done. Yeah, and and you get in there, and that's what makes the team strong. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when you preach for a place a number of years, you try to stay fresh. I like to emphasize lifelong learning. Yeah, keep taking courses, keep growing, keep feeding yourself. One of my uh, instructors told me that you're like a reservoir and everything you take in goes into that reservoir. And every time you preach or teach, you're, you're withdrawing from it. Mm-hmm. Don't ever let it go dry. Always have more in your reservoir than, than needs to come out of it. Yeah. And never stop educating yourself. The same instructor used to say, when you get out of school and you start your education, then he'd tell us, because he's talking about reading, getting in the, in the Word. And so to try to stay fresh and do something you haven't done in this particular place before, so I keep a spreadsheet about what I've preached in each place, yeah. the date, the topic, the scripture, and try not to repeat myself. And, but this keeps me growing too. I say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to preach on that passage I preached on last year. Let me find something else. And so I yeah. keep stretching. And this is something that uh, helps me not get stagnant. Yeah. You know, I can be uh, still moving forward in my life. Well, that is that's awesome. I. Uh, just want to check, Dylan or Dan. Is there anything that you guys wanted to ask before we uh, before we close out here? I mean, not, not that I can think of. Um, I I just like sitting here listening to Corey's stories, and then I realize, <laughs> wait, I got to keep asking him questions. So, <laughs> since we're, we've got this interview, um, but but no, Corey, we, we've enjoyed it. Um, you. You're a blessing to us all, and we're just Thank we're you. thankful that we can be able to to share this blessing with other people online through this podcast because. Yes. Um, we want to let everyone know about uh, some of the amazing encouragement that, that you can offer and that uh, we don't want to be selfish and keep it all to ourselves. Well, we do, but we know we should. <laughs> well, I, I love and appreciate you guys so much. Yeah. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. I hope we can do it again down the road. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, uh, Corey, thank you again. We, uh, we love you so much. And, love you uh, too. We'll, thank uh, you. I guess we'll, we'll meet with you again sometime in the future. Good. All right. Hey, before we close, let's let's spend the next hour talking about raising a family as a preacher. You know, uh, can we do that before we close? <laughs> we, we could. We could. I don't know about the next hour, know. though. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook, share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.